Hello, this is the Joys of Teaching Literature. My name's Scott Cameron, and we're talking all things high school English. Teaching writing, novels, poetry, short story, short, short stories, all that dorky stuff. Uh, so this week, I'm talking about you know, a really important way to, to make your life easy, which is rubrics, checklists, and feedback. I'm kind of grouping them all together. Um, if you do want to know more about me before I get started, my website's theteachersworkshop.com. I offer online professional development for high school English teachers. You can take the course at your own pace. There's basically screencast videos that I upload where I walk you through my techniques to, to make your life easier. This is sort of what we're talking about today. The three courses are uh, easy teaching, which is basically how to make your life easy and not bring homework and sort of have a stress-free existence at school, <laughs> which is, even as I say it, is uh, obviously not you know completely... Um, you know, 100% true, but, you know, we'll, we'll get to 99%. Uh, and then exciting teaching, that's obviously something that's I think is easy, is making your, because just because of what we do, you know, teaching fiction, stories, magical realism, science fiction, you know, all these different really poetry, you know, that part I feel like is easy, you know, to keep the kids engaged and, and really thinking, you know, for themselves and and really deep in thought for, for all the moments in your classroom is, is sort of what that second course is about, differentiation, note-taking, how to get them to, to be excited about reading and make reading really fun and easy. Uh, and then <clears throat> excellent teaching, which is more of a deep dive into specific topics. And I try to focus on technologies that are, that, you know, that can be challenging. But, you know, again, everything that I do is just, hey, this podcast thing, this video essay thing, uh, this one-pager thing, whatever it is, um, can be actually really easy. And, and we just have to Give them a handout that uh, allows them to, to go in a couple of different directions uh, with what they're doing. So if you're interested in taking those courses, then I have a Teachers Pay Teacher store, too, on that website where you can check out. I actually just uploaded, uploaded a, a new unit on Home Fire. So, uh, but I'm always trying to get new um, contemporary novel units for contemporary novels, diverse writers, that sort of thing. Um, all right, so let's get back to, to rubrics. So that's the title, title of this one, Simplifying Rubrics, Checklists, and Feedback. So in some ways, the, the title is misleading because my argument with all of this is going to be that um, really that I prefer checklists over rubrics um, just because for, for a couple different reasons, um, but that also that what we're talking about in general here is just how to provide feedback on essays. And <laughs> this is something that is maybe giving you a headache already just thinking about it <laughs> um, because we have so many our job comes with um, so many different challenges already you know we're thinking about right we have to read the latest great novels we have to you know keep keep reading the poems that are constantly coming out you know 21st century 20th century poems we're trying to always make our curriculum more engaging obviously we can't just keep it the way it is like you know maybe they do in science or to some extent history might you know there's obviously certain things you can tweak with any subject but we have a growing body of of, of literature that's constantly where people are constantly writing so we're, we're constantly having to sort of ask ourselves what is a classic what is what's what's in the canon what's not and all those sort of thing you know even short stories so many short stories out there plays films essays on top of that we have to attend meetings 
right, with parents and administration, uh, different, you know, for special ed kids with, you know, have meetings with, with those um, support staff there. <laughs> we have to respond to emails, which always confuses me, especially when I get an email from a student because, like, you know, I see you every day. <laughs> so, but yet I still get all these these emails, not that many, but, you know, it's another sort of responsibility that we have. And then, of course, wait for it, drum roll, <laughs> grading essays. That is, I would say, if you ask any English teacher, what's the least favorite part of your job? I would wager a pretty good bet that um, grading essays is not, is pretty, pretty, at least on the top of the list there of all those things I just, and think about it, how some of the things I just listed, right? You know, in an ideal world, we just walk into school, teach, and go home. Uh, especially think about meetings after school. <laughs> like, But yet, grading essays is just the thing that no one really enjoys doing. Um, I, you know, I, it's interesting about that, too, is that I, I wonder if that's, uh, you know, what we're, what we're, you know, if we say, are we giving them choice when we assign readings? What are we having them write about? You know, because I think to some extent what we're, the reason we don't like doing it is because it sounds the same after a while, right? We have 100 plus students probably. Um, and and they just, you know, if it's say on the same poem for all four or five of your classes or same novel, you do, you start basically reading the same kind of ideas because they're kind of writing down notes in your class and they have, they gathered evidence in your class, so you, you sort of know what quotes are coming your way, what arguments are going to be coming your way. Um, so that's that's a reason I, I mix it up a lot. Um, creative writing with with creative nonfiction, where you're just writing on a topic with video essays, with podcasts. It's important not to get you know too stuck in just assigning one assign one specific prompt for all of the students and just giving as much choice as we can whenever we can just to make not just to make our lives more enjoyable but you know if they're picking something to write about you know and and they have a variety of different sources to to tackle that topic whether it's on a piece of you know we're talking about writing an essay on a novel or any anything else you always want to uh make that make that exciting so but yeah that so let's get to rubrics so rubric I think at some point, I don't know, at some point, I, I don't I don't think anybody, I don't think I heard the rubric, the word rubric <laughs> um, at all for a co- at least a couple of years. Um, definitely not in my own education experience, including college. Um, so <laughs> I just, when I first saw it, <laughs> I think I just freaked out. I was like, oh, what? Like, what is the boxes, descriptions for things in boxes? And, oh, you just circle this here and makes it easier. And I just, but when I looked at it, I'm like, this is supposed to make things easier? Like, do you even want me to read this? This is a list of things that they're either doing or not doing on your essay. So that was the first thing. I, I looked at it. I'm like, okay, so if this column here means you're meeting the expectation. And then you have three, four, five. I don't even, I don't even know because I don't. I'm not that familiar with rubrics, um, of of things basically that you're not doing. Like, what's the point of the of the four or five or three or four other columns? You're just getting specific about to what extent they did or did not do this main thing. 
like I'm all about that first call. That first call, like, okay, I want you to do X, Y, and Z. That makes perfect sense to me. Uh, when we start teaching the essay at the beginning of the year, that's that's really what it's all about. Here's here's what we want in the essay. This is why it's structured this way. Um, you know, w- when you create an argument, you have to have a lot of evidence to back it up, or else it's not really an argument. It's just your, you know, some notion of what you think is a truth based on some loose opinion that you have. But if you don't have actual facts to to back up what you believe, then why would you believe it, right? So those kinds of things that we're teaching them about the quantity of evidence that they need to include in the essay, the thesis statement, the topic sentences, you know, and even just thinking about terms like topic sentences, um, we, we, that's what we teach them at the beginning of the year. And then as we, as we assign essays and as we stop and kind of think about um, what went wrong or what, what, what people are doing well or uh, different things like that, we're always teaching it again. We have to re- repeat what we said. Remember, remember I said these are expectations for writing. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit more. What makes a great conclusion? All right, it's, well, it's where you create relevance. It's where you actually find meaning and, and think about the world that you live in and, and, and the connection between the, the literature or the topic and its implications for the world that we live in, for our behavior, how does it connect to our experiences. That's a conclusion. That's a good conclusion. So you can get into the specifics of that and give examples. Um, you know, if, if you say you want them to connect the literature that they read to a play or to a movie that they watch or something like that to make it relevant and then to, to make a meaningful connection to the real world, you can show them that and get into to, to more specifics about what that looks like. But we, you know, in essence, give them a checklist at the beginning of the year. Here's what I want you to do when you write. And then as the year moves along, we are moving uh, from one topic to the next to make sure that, that they know um, what they're doing for each of those expectations. So I was all about that that first column, but you know, to tell a student to what again to what very very specific extent they did or didn't do something, and to create language for and you know, I was having people tell me, oh, this is um, that we have to do this for every single assignment. Um, and I even I remember getting an email from a history teacher like, does anybody have a rubric for you know this kind of topic? And um, so that just amazed me, too, that we're doing all of this work. And I know the idea is that we don't have to leave as much feedback if we have a really good rubric. So I understand that if you put in some level of work before you do it, um, but but I wanted to do even less work. <laughs> That's my objective is to do the, not the bare minimum, but to make it so that, like, let's have something that the kids cannot easily understand that's really simple. They can glance at it. They can be familiar with it because we've already we've already said it to them in person. It's just a list of things we want them to do, right? And and whether they did it or not, but it's just a checklist, right? It's just hey, do these things. I'll let you know kind of where you're at in your progress of doing that thing. Um, but it's something that they should be able at the end of the year. Actually, this is something I do at the end of the year is I give them a blank checklist. I'm like, look, you've looked at this thing a million times. Um, why don't you fill it out yourself? You should be able to answer these questions yourself. If you know, you ask yourself, did I do X, Y, and Z, and uh, and do it yourself? So that the objective is to, to be more and more hands off as the the year moves along. Um, I look, I know that that research has shown the benefits of, of rubrics, but I think we just have to do what's best for us sometimes. And for me, it felt like 
it just felt too schoolsy. <laughs> Is that a word? Academic. Like I try to make school feel as just feel not like school. <laughs> and a rubric to me looking at it feels like there's too many directions. There's too, like we don't, I don't, my assignments, I, I try to make them just really, just one single great question um, and, and to not make th- things overly complicated, to really simplify it as much as possible and to, so that they can um, really come in and, uh, and, and fill in the gaps. They're the ones that need to be working, not us. Um, and so I don't like to have the really complicated directions with a lot of different parts and read this and then got to do this and that. Um, a good question will, is, is all you need. Uh, and so rubrics just felt like that to me. They just felt like this is not – like I want to make school fun. <laughs> and a rubric just looks like the opposite of fun. When I, when I look at it, I just get stressed. Looking at all these boxes, it just feels like a lot to read. And, and I want to spend most of my time in class on literature. I don't want to spend on just of them listening to conversations, reading books, reading passages, re- just really dealing with the text itself and having good conversations about that text. That's what I want to be like 99% of the time. <laughs> like that's not, like it's definitely an exaggeration, but I don't want to spend time on writing. Um, so every once in a while when I hand back an essay, we'll stop and we'll think about writing. Um, but a rubric just feels like it's a, it's too much time on the expectations of the course and not on actually learning anything. Um, obviously, thinking, reflecting on writing, there's a, there's a time for that too. At the end of the quarter, I'll kind of, hey, what did you, did you meet any of the goals? Did, what do you need to work on? Just a quick paragraph where they kind of look at their writing, come up with some goals. That doesn't take a lot of time. It's really simple. Um, and so that's, so that's where I'm coming out with rubrics. Um, in it, the checklist so I keep the checklist the same I'll get into the specifics of what's what's in the checklist but it, it does surprise me I mean I think I just did it just to do it like okay I'm very much like yeah I'll try that like any pretty much anything that comes along I'm like okay I'll try that and so I tried it um, and I didn't know if it was working really the first year I was doing it uh, but then one of my students I remember giving back an essay and I think the copier didn't work or something and I didn't or I didn't staple it to the essay or something and uh, so he comes up like really not upset but just kind of looking stressed out like mr cameron my <laughs> my my question in my essay it didn't have you didn't fill out this the checklist like <laughs> like this is like a crisis like okay like you know do you want me to just keep tell, talk to you about what you know what you wrote and have questions and so I, I ended up creating one, just grabbing an extra one and giving it to him. But that surprised me. I was like, okay, so maybe they like it. You know, maybe they know, okay, here's his expectations. I want to know if I did it or not because I was looking to really fix this one thing that I wasn't doing. Um, and I need to know if I did it, this at least this essay. So that that was the first call. I'm like, okay, so maybe they actually do like it. And then um, whatever, I, I actually, this is a huge part of, of I think, the thing I do for myself to improve is to give this course feedback at the end of the year. And they, they always say that they, they really like checklists and the simplicity of what I'm doing. And the fact that I have the same checklist with every single essay, they, they know what I'm looking for. Um, they can see if they're improving on it every time because it's familiar, they've seen it before. And so they say they prefer the, the checklist, um, because it's quick, uh, more than, than they, they do a complicated rubric. Um, yeah, I, I think the idea of it is that you have to. I, I try to really prioritize the important parts of 
what I want from them. Um, so they don't feel lost in these boxes and don't really know, uh, you know, and, and or it's just something they kind of glance at, like, okay, you know, I want them to be able to actually get get meaning from it um, and keep track of their progress that way. So I guess I'll go over the, the rubric as quickly as I can. There's three parts, organization, evidence, and interpretation. And then um, <clears throat> I just have three boxes on the right. So it's basically a list of like, hey, do these things. And on the right, it's strong, adequate, and needs improvement. So that way I can just say like in, in the middle, you're just like, yes, you're, you're doing what you're doing. It's good. But the strong box is um, my way of, re of rewarding kind of good behavior, if you will. You know, it's positive feedback. Um, positive reinforcement, right? We're just like, yes, you you really you really nailed it on that one. I want to give you a kind of metaphorical sticker by putting a check in this strong box for you. But that's rare, and I tell them that. You know, I'm not here to just you know tell everyone that they're excellent, right? But that's what the strong box is, kind of the excellent box. Um, and as the year moves along, obviously you're going to get more and more people in that box of of strong. And then on the right is is needs improvement. So it's not I'm not saying this was terrible or this is horrible. It's just you need to work on this. And again, the the culture of my classes, this is kind of where you always need to be. You always need to be thinking about how to improve your writing. That's that's not something that's necessarily me saying like, you know, slap on the wrist or you know or punishment. It's just hey, you need to to rethink. Look at this part of your writing and, and think about it a little bit and try to revise it so that it's better, right? So that's the kind of three different levels. And, you know, so in that way it does have, you know, it has a feel of a rubric, rubric where you have different levels. But but three is, I used to do two and I, just, I really liked having that little box in the middle. I found myself checking in, in between the two, strong and needs improvement. Um, so I, that's why I made that adequate box. So, so under organization, and this is mostly for literary literary analysis, but I think the word essay can be kind of just mean any piece of writing on a topic. And you only, if you're writing about something, you always want to have evidence to back it up. You always want to have an introduction and conclusion, right? So some of the boxes are specifically for uh, literary analysis. We're dealing with characters and you know different things like that, literary techniques. But you can kind of tweak this um, for any essay. Um, so the first thing under organization is contain structured introduction and meaning, meaningful conclusion. So I put the introduction and conclusion kind of together. Yeah, this I can sometimes will like circle things. Like if it's the conclusion that I have a problem with, I'll just circle the word conclusion, and they know that that's what that means. Um, the next one is contain supporting sentences that extend the thesis statement. So that's where you you have your support, whatever you want to call it, topic sentence, supporting sentence uh, that sort of leads off the body paragraph. Uh, and I use the word extend because it shouldn't be a repetition of what's in the thesis. It should be a new idea that supports it. So we have that conversation. So again, each one of these things I'm going over and, and describing more either in the beginning of the year or when I turn an essay back. So you know, I'll say, okay, we're going to work on this this second part of the, the checklist here today. Let me explain what I mean by contained supporting sentences that extend the thesis, right? So And then they'll you know, revise the their topic sentence, I'll be able to, you know, go online, grab a couple that are, they, to use as model uh, examples, and and they'll understand a little bit more of what I want for that specific box. The third one is demonstrates clarity and a command of conven grammatical conventions. So that is more along the lines of, you know, where a lot of kids struggle. And that's, you know, I understand that's a broad, um, you know, I teach at a pretty high performing 
students at a high school that has high performing students. So I'm not I'm not creating separate. You you might have a separate sort of section of a list of grammatical conventions, right? My I also because I teach seniors, I don't really need those um, to be there, and that is something that I will comment on in my feedback anyway. So if there is some kind of grammatical problem, that's where my my handwritten feedback comes in. So that's not something that I need to get specific about in the rubric, but that's you know something to consider for for your own class. And then the fourth one under organization is contains a logical sequence of arguments that develops in complexity. That's soup, you know, the AP, I teach AP literature and composition. They call it a line of reasoning. Um, I like the word logic better, I like the idea that one idea builds. Um, there's some language for that in the core content standards. Um, but I like the idea that they're writing that this is probably the most challenging of all the different of all of all the pieces on this checklist. Um, because I think it's really hard for students to be able to think about the sequencing of their arguments and how it kind of builds and how you want to be more and more interested as a reader in what's coming next. And one sentence kind of contains the previous sentence in it, right? It has some idea, right? You want to kind of feel like you're walking forward when you're reading an essay and not just walking in one place or walking backwards. Um, you always want to feel like you're walking forward. So that's kind of how I explain that one. Um, evidence is the next one. So we're talking, the first one is contains quality analysis of relevant evidence that so you're picking good evidence, um, but also that it's quality analysis that, of, of that evidence. The second one is contains adequate quanti quantity of quotations. So my, my, my thing with this is you can have a really great argument, but if you, if, if you only have one piece of evidence to, to back it up, if you're saying something about the housing market or, you know, criminal justice, you have one quote to back up your argument, or if you're talking about a 500-page novel, you know, you don't want to write an essay about it with one quote to say, like, here's this major thing that happens over 500 pages, but I only have one example of it, right? So the quantity is important. And then the third one is how the, considers how a quotation relates to other moments in the text. So, you know, you can just kind of look at a passage and just interpret that passage like it's a poem, and you know, by itself, or you could look at that passage, number one, in the you have to consider the context of when the when the passage happens and what's what's going on before and after it and in that moment, uh, but also placing it in the context of the whole the whole novel, or like I just use an example of the housing market, right? You have to look at history, um, not just this one specific moment in time, but but the big picture, right? So that's kind of what that's talking about. And then the third section is interpretation. So uh, first one's quality of interpretation, uh, the variety of ideas, uh, and originality. So that's hard. I tell them, like, this is hard for me. That's probably the hardest for me to describe. That's easier to, to have a conversation about in person. You know, the, I guess the variety of ideas one is easy. And I'll circle that sometimes and be like, okay, do you just repeat yourself over and over again? Like, that has, that's a quality issue. Uh, originality. Are you just sort of recycling the ideas that we already talked about in class? Or are you coming up with something new? Um, so again, that's easier said than done. I can, you can give model work to show that how that's done, um, but that's you know that's another one of the the, the parts on the checklist that's really challenging. Uh, the next one under interpretation is analyzes the function of literary techniques and ac accurately connects them to meaning. So it's not just hey here's a personification or an aphora or you know metonymy, metaphor, simile. 
uh, but but why is it there? Not just that that they're identifying it, but they're connecting it to the meaning and to the you know either the idea of of the short story or novel or whatever it is, um, or or the uh, it's depicting a reality or expressing an emotion. So what is that emotion that it's expressing? Right, it's the typical one, uh, and so that's what so that's that one. And then under interpretation, I also include for literature the growth of a character. You want to demonstrate that you're not just looking at this character's behavior, like he, he punched a hole in a window or a wall or something. Um, and you just look at that and like he was angry, right? But, but in the con- again, in the context of the whole thing, it was, it was because there was a behavior that existed before. There was experiences that happened before that, you know, that, that glass shattered. Uh, so, so again, place it in context. Like, what does this have to do with the overall growth of this character? Um, and then the, that, this next one is similar. Like how, does the, how do the ideas develop in the text? So you have a character that's growing, but also concepts. So violence, family, the media, technology, whatever the topic is, how does that idea sort of grow and how does our understanding of that, that concept um, grow as we and develop as we um, as we read the book, but also as we read the essay, because that's you know it's another challenging thing to do, but it's it's something I think that's important. So that's my that's my checklist. Um, if you want to download it, um, I gave you a link in the uh, blog in my blog on theteachersworkshop.com, um, or uh, yeah, that's that's the main spot. You can just download it for free on my Teachers Pay Teachers page. Um, so I think the, the most important thing, though, so that's my rubric, and that just gives you an idea how, how I do it. And so they get very familiar with that by the end of the year. That's their, my expectations are clear, but I still do think that it's not the most important way that we give feedback. Um, we, we, you know, write things down by hand, which, you know, can be challenging if it's, you know, sometimes you can do it online where you type a whole paragraph out. Um, so that you and, and actually, there's a couple of different programs now where you can provide audio feedback online. So you can click like an audio button and leave uh, just something that you have to say to them, which is that's probably the future of of all of this. Um, but you know, all of this is time consuming, right? You know, and I just think that when you're in class, the biggest thing with teachers, the biggest thing we can do is interact with our kids. It's always going to be the best, no matter what technologies, you know, no matter what systems come up with rubrics or if it's going to be something different in the future, having a face-to-face conversation with a student. It doesn't have to be long, but you know you can look at that essay and be like, all right, in about t- 10 seconds, you can tell that person what's what they need to work on. Like, I really like this part, but you had a problem there, Right. Um, what did you mean by this? And then they'll tell you what they meant by that. And you're like, oh, okay. So you did have these quality ideas in your head somewhere. You just didn't put them in your essay. And, you know, let's, let's say it that way next time. And can you put that into, into, into a formal sentence? And, and that's what, that's your revision right there. And you know, those conversations are super easy to have. A computer won't be able to ever do that, right? Like that, is just a, a regular interaction. That's really what education is all about, are these interactions and good conversations. And they don't need to be long thing where you're oh, I got to have 20 minutes where I sit down with a student. Some of the best conversations are quick and when I'm walking around the room. So when I tell them to revise their essay, I'm walking around the room as they revise their essay. And of course, I'm picking out the students where I, I know, you know, familiar with their essay, I think, oh, okay, I really wanted to talk about this person because I couldn't, I didn't find a, a good way of 
sort of explaining what I need from them. Or if there's a student that you think that really needs um, your encouragement, like, okay, so you got, you know, they're going to look at their grade later. I don't put grades on my essays. Um, they can get them online, at, you know, after, after they get the essay back in class. Um, and so you're like, all right, I know they're not going to be happy with that C or whatever. And so you go over to that student and, and just so they're not super discouraged, it's like, okay, you know, there's a way out of this and you're gonna, this is what you need to do next time. And a lot of, you know, what, what I think is important part of feedback is, is not just here's what you did wrong in this sentence, right? You could have worded it this way, but it's like, all right, let's, let's talk about the big, again, big picture. How, when are you reading these books? Do you have a, a quiet space that you can do it? Do you have your phone on you when you're reading? Let's put that away. When you're in class and taking notes, how are you taking those? Let me see your, your note. You know, comment on the things that, that, that make them prepared to write the essay, not just the final product of what they wrote down, because there's usually a reason why it's, it's not super, like high quality or not excellent writing is because they haven't put the thought, you know, they haven't done the real work in preparing to write the essay. So that's got to be a part of the conversations too. And that's not something you write on an essay, but it is something you can have in conversation. Hey, I notice that you, you kind of tune out or you doodle a little, you know, but, and that's why this, this thought's not that clear or whatever it is. Um, so that's got to be a part of that conversation too. Um, and I also give feedback on specific topics in, incrementally. So obviously I'll start with uh, the thesis statement. And then the next time I return an essay, I'll focus on, I'll just pick something like the introduction usually comes next interpreting evidence in the body paragraphs, the topic sentences, or you know, a good one is topic sentence, thesis, sta- uh, thesis statement, topic sentence, cohesion. So you, you, you look just taking a whole period, like, all right, what's your thesis statement? What's your topic sentences? Are, it, are they extensions of the, the, are the topic sentences extensions of the thesis statement? All right, so that's, that's a challenging thing for students to think about too. So that deserves a whole period. Uh, when, you, when I return the essay, I'll, I'll just focus on that one thing. Um, and again, always showing model work after they revise their essay, quickly copy and paste it from online. You know, I, I never attach names to it and then have them look at what I'm talking about. Um, it just depends on what they do in, you know, certain things. I'm like, all right, everybody's conclusion was terrible. So let's focus on that. Um, and then in addition to that, when I ask them to revise, say, their conclusion or their introduction, a lot of kids will come up. I mean, a couple of years ago, a couple of kids will come up and remember and say, well, I, I don't have any, you didn't say, any, you didn't make any comments on my conclusion, so do I need to revise that? Or because I, I was thinking about revising this other part that I need to work on. It's like, okay, yeah. So, because at first I was requiring everybody to, to, to revise the same thing. And eventually over the years, I'm like, all right, so everybody can just revise whatever they need, but I'm going to focus on this one thing because that's where I saw most people having a problem. Um, I think part of the thing we need to think about too is not overwhelming students with feedback. Um, if we give them, tw- you know, 15 things, like you need to do these 15 things, <laughs> like the kid's going to walk out of that class. Like this is impossible. There's no way I'm going to, I'm going to have in, in one, in, in a couple of weeks, the next time we, whatever, the next time is you write that I'm going to be able to fix 15 things. Like how do I even begin to think about how to fix 15 things? Right. Um, but they can handle a couple, right? That's why the checklist, it, 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 I, I just went through it. It's a lot. I think about how much I just went through. It's a lot for a developing writer, somebody who's just getting a handle on things. Um, they're not going to be perfect. So we're already kind of giving them a lot to think about. Um, and that's why I kind of, I break it down. Okay. Today we're going to focus on the conclusion that, you know, let's talk about that. Um, 
And so as the year moves along, you have they kind of build on these various topics and they've kind of mastered the whole essay by the end of the year. Uh, learning is, is like anything else. It happens incrementally. It's not this, like, I'm going to snap my fingers and you're going to fix 15 problems. I mean, imagine any worker having their boss, if you work in a factory or you're a mailman, and they're like, you know what, we're going to learn these five new ways of delivering mail and I want you to master it tomorrow. Like, no. Or if, you know, there's new technique for fixing a pipe or there's like, you know, some new thing that you're going to do in your company, you're not going to expect all of your workers to instantly understand the new method, right? So, But you're going to say, okay, in, we're going to try it this way. Let's revisit it in a week and see if how it goes. We're going to, you know, if you have any questions or there's any problems in how we, this new thing that we're doing, you know, so it's all incremental. It's, it's you have to do the first thing first, get that down, and then the next thing next. Um, and so slow and, and steady wins the race, right? It's, that's cliche for a reason. Um, we're not just going to snap our fingers and, and we can't get frustrated when there's a you know when there's a lot of different problems going on, especially at the beginning of the year. I think it's easy to get frustrated. Kids are just like lost. They took the summer off. Um, it's like okay, let's let's take this one step at a time. Uh, we're going to handle one thing at a time, and so that that makes your classroom stress free. Not something that where kids just, you know, this is a problem, especially last year and this year, get kids just checking out. They're like, you know what, this is too much work. It's too stressful. There's no way I'm going to be able to do all these things. I'm just not going to, you know, I'm not going to put in a good effort to this essay. I'm just going to try to do the bare minimum and get by because where he wants me to go is going to be, you know, a difficult place to go, right? But no, you they can handle one single thing and do that one thing. And then the next day come in or the next week come in and do a new thing. Um, the, the objective by the end of the year is that they revise their own essays. Like I said, they should be able to look at this checklist because they've been so familiar with it and they've seen it over and over again um, that they don't need us anymore, right? When they go to, if they go to college or in life, um, they're just going to write something and submit it. And that, so communicating anything, like an essay is a fancy word for communicating an idea. Um, we want them to be able to do their own revisions, right? They're not going to always have somebody uh, a colleague or otherwise, a professor that's like, well, you might want to change the wording of this sentence this way. We, we want to get them to a place where they can just be proud of their own work and fix it themselves. And so as the year moves along, I just give less and less feedback because number one, their writing's getting better. And number two, they should know how to fix the problem because I've <laughs> repeated it so many different times in so many different ways, either on the checklist or in person, uh, you know, when I hand an essay back or at the beginning of the year, um, and I also want to make sure, again, that, that ideas get priority over uh, the conventions because can we, we can get sucked into this thing where we're constantly trying to fix how they say the thing and how to make it as clear as possible. But if we spend most of our time discussing the, whatever topic it is, a novel, you know, if we're writing on the economy, whatever it is, Getting the gathering the ideas to write the essay is is going to help the essay more than anything. But trying to figure out well, why didn't you say this sentence right is not going to help. Reading, we know that just reading at at the appropriate reading level um, is will help a student figure out uh, the conventions of language and how to write properly. You can also teach the conventions of language not just through giving feedback on essays but close reading passages in literature and interpreting syntax. So you're indirectly teaching grammar. That's how I've always done it uh, by just, you know, you're talking about similes and personifications, 
but you're also like, hey, look at this repetition. Look at this semicolon. Look at this. Like, why is there five dashes in this paragraph? Um, why are these sentences really like Virginia Woolf writes these really long and winding sentences where Jane Austen does the same thing? Um, and, and so, and, and, or conjunct, like uh, Woolf uses conjunctions a lot. Uh, Charles Dickens likes the prepositional phrase. He likes the similes. Uh, so, so, you know, in your, in your close reading, you're getting to these different techniques, but you're also indirectly teaching them about the conventions that you want them to learn to be able to write, write a great essay. So they're sort of thinking about all of these different sort of stylistic things that great writers are doing and, and then thinking about using those stylistic, doing those things themselves uh, when they write their own essay. Um, so, so yeah, I, just to reiterate, you know, I think that a real conversation is always going to have so much more value than any checklist um, and help with clarity and cohesion uh, more so than anything else. Um, they should be able to quickly glance at a checklist, understand what they need to do. It's going to help them gain confidence from their successes. Again, I think that, that one box is really important just to say, yeah, this is excellent or this is strong. Uh, you know, and this allows them, if they see something where it's under needs improvement, they can use that box, that, that check, to plan for the future and set goals for themselves. Uh, but it should never replace quality instruction and, and good conversation about ideas. Writing, writing instruction in general is important, but our students should spend much more time listening and reading uh, than writing. Thanks for listening, everybody.